You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Grace. And hey, it's Chelsea. And today we're going to go over a case that is pretty well known. Kind of disappointed that Sarah's not on because she, I think this was way closer to her area. And I believe she knows some people that are like involved with it, right? Is Mm -hmm. my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe good, maybe bad. Who knows? But we're going to start off and it is like super well known. A lot of podcasts have covered this case. The TV show uh, disappeared, which I don't really watch that often, but it's on the ID channel. They had an episode on her called Spirited Away. It was their eighth season, episode three. And like I said, it just gets a lot of coverage, especially, I guess, as of recently, more so that podcasts are now like a thing. But I'm going to call her Court in these, in like going forward. Name's Courtney Stoffer, but apparently she went by court. Gotcha. So that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do. Um, but she ended up going missing from her Palmyra apartment on Sunday, July 29th, 2012. She was only 21 years old when she ended up vanishing. There's a lot of like back and forth of he said, she said. There's I think a lot of theories from the family, the community, the locals, everyone else. Um, so it will be a lot. So if you're confused, I'm so sorry. There's a lot of players, a lot of people. I get confused easily, so I'll ask clarifying questions if I need to. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds great. On behalf of everyone else. <laughs> okay. So let's start with the night before Court went missing. She lived with her boyfriend who was named, his name was Bradley. I think it was Bradley Her, but he went by Brad. Um, they lived in downtown Palmyra. Now, this was really only 10 minutes from her mom. So it was like super close. This was, I guess, her real first boyfriend. Her mom said that she believed that Court was like totally in love with him and that it wasn't like that, like, like that fake love, like in high school. Puppy love. Yeah, it wasn't like that. It was real. Yeah. They... She viewed it as them going that they were going to be together for a while. So, I mean, to me, that's pretty serious. And so on the night of the 28th, 2012, they were throwing a party and they had friends over and the police ended up getting called by a neighbor. And at the time, Brad was on probation for underage drinking. And so it didn't look so good when police show up and uh, he's drinking again and there's alcohol. So he, yeah, not good. Not good at all. He ended up getting arrested, and that really upset Courtney. Wendy, her mother, said that she got a call from court just before 10 p.m. on the 28th, like, upset. She was afraid that he would end up having to serve four years in jail for the remainder of his probation since he obviously violated it, which, I mean, like, I don't... To me, I sometimes I feel like there's no gray for me. I'm, I'm black and white. Like, why are you surprised that that might happen? He was told what he should not do, and he he did it. Why? And apparently, like, um, this party, it was loud. It wasn't like they were trying to hide it. It wasn't, like, this chill thing. They were loud. Um, It was known. I mean, ugh. And looking at pictures, videos of, like, where she lived, really close together, kind of like me and you, like, right on top of your neighbors. Um, Yeah. Pretty obvious that there was a party going on. So Wendy offered 
her to come stay with her. Like I said, pretty close, but Courtney was not in the mood for that. She didn't want that. She said no. And I don't know how to say it. I guess it wasn't a hundred percent specified, but from the way that I got it, that her family talked about it, it seemed like she reached out to a couple of different people to see what they were doing. And the first person to kind of respond and said, let's meet up was a guy named Cody Privet. I think that's how you say his last name. Could be wrong, but looks right to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which in the aftermath of everything, her family was kind of surprised because they weren't really friends. Hmm. So it was kind of strange to them. Why is she going to hang out with him? But again, the way that I took it is like she was just looking for someone to be with because she didn't want to be alone. And I'm not sure if like all their friends disbanded when police came. They're like, we don't want to be part of it. Peace. Nothing was ever mentioned about wh what happened with them. So this guy named Cody, uh, they agreed to meet up at a place called the gas station, which I'm assuming is a bar because they got drinks. Though some gas stations you can buy alcohol. So who knows? But I'm pretty sure it's a bar. I feel like in Pennsylvania, back then not that it was that long ago but no. i don't think that you could buy at actual gas stations i'm not sure i don't drink so that that, that kind of stuff oh, yeah. is like that's true yeah. okay well you couldn't no buy at gas stations at that point <laughs> okay it all kind of baffles me um the whole entire thing because i know when we travel we'll stop for gas and people are coming out with alcohol galore and i'm like what the hell and it's starting in the past few years it's been much more um common in pennsylvania like you can get alcohol at a lot of sheets and some wawas now so oh, interesting yeah it's happening but not in 2012 okay more you know the more you know <laughs> sorry guys not that's not my my thing i'm always lacking in that area they had their drinks but i guess they didn't want to kind of end the night uh if you will so they ended up meeting with other friends of Cody's, which I guess Court was like acquaintances with, but they weren't close. And they all drove in one of the guy's car. His name was Milton. And they went to downtown Harrisburg. Um, apparently they went to like an area that was popping. It would kind of be like Bridge Street in Phoenixville to us. Um really like live more for the younger i mean we're not that old but the people who like to go out and have a good time the um, young people yes the young <laughs> people um and to remind everyone she is newly 21 so that kind of stuff i guess appealed to her it's crazy because that's the age around the age that we were in 2012 like she would be right around our age now I was 22 yeah. in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in Harrisburg having a good time. The people that were with her said that she was drinking quite heavily, that the whole entire Brad situation was not going over well for her. And she just could not get past that. She was really upset. And to her, I guess, four years without the person you love could, you know, really rise up emotions, especially yeah. when you're mixing alcohol and she's younger. I don't think like people's brains develop until like 20. Is it 22 or 23? 25 is 25. when they say that your brain is fully developed. Yeah. 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 So there was some struggling happening at this at this point in their night. And um, things did not go well. And I thought maybe because she was, you know, again, freshly 21, that she didn't know her limits or she didn't know kind of what worked for her. Because I hear, I don't know, like I said, not a drinker, but I hear everyone has different limits, I guess, depending if you ate something or some people react differently to different alcohols, X, Y, and Z. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
So I thought yeah. maybe that could been that could have been a contributor to like her slipping so fast, if you will. But things started getting out of hand. She got in an argument with one of the couples, and she was insisting that one of them broke into her apartment months prior. Um, and this like scuffle, I mean, it didn't get physical, but she was being very loud, very animated. So security was alerted and she was asked to leave and no one left with her. She was out by herself. Uh, No. Yeah. She was out by herself. But then again, we talked about this. Uh, one of her acquaintance had brought her there. So she didn't have a way to get home. Her car was still at that bar. So she ends up texting that guy, Cody and Milton, the guy who drove them and said, Hey, I want to go home now. And they did come out. They came out and they got in the car and they were going to take her home. But during the ride home, she basically was like, I want, I want my car. I want to drive home. And they were like, okay. And it's like, if you could tell she is that so far gone, why? Why risk it? And I'm sure they were drinking. Like, I'm not sure. My brother-in-law will have like a beer or two and they can drive and he is fine. Like everyone's completely different. I don't really know how it works. Like I said, not a drinker. And it freaks me out. Even if I were to have a sip, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to drive or like be like coherent or anything. I'm just terrified of it um, for my own reasons. And so for all of them driving, it freaks me out, but they, these two guys were like, yeah, go for it. They went to the bar, Milton dropped them off. And apparently she left and Cody convinced him to borrow his car, Milton's car to follow her home because he was concerned that she was drunk and driving. Mm. And I'm just like, but why, why wouldn't Cody just be like, Oh, I'll take you in your car or Hey, I'll go with you or something. And it never is mentioned where Melton, where Milton, where, how he got home. Where did he go? He just ended up at a bar that he wasn't at originally. They took his car. What? I'm confused. I mean, just like you said, their brains aren't fully developed and they're drinking. I can remember like going out drinking with friends, whether it was like well, mostly at a house party, like in the first part of college when we were underage. But I can like remember us around that age and no, I don't think anyone would have really given too much of a thought to what was going to happen to someone else. Like it sucks and it sounds awful, but I mean, you're just not really thinking. I will say I was in a really bad situation one time and we were at, I was like at a house party, which is really confusing situation considering I don't drink and everyone was shit faced except for me. I would never go to a house party sober. Oh my God. Yeah. It was rough. It was definitely rough, but I was like kind of dating the person's house that I was at and things were just like really bad. Didn't go really well. And these people were leaving and I wanted to go so bad, but they Mm -hmm. had been drinking all night and I was like, really want to leave. Can't call my grandparents. But I don't want to die. And I mean, they got home fine, but um, I I wouldn't even risk it. I was like, I'd rather be in hell right now than get in the car with you. And it's, and even talking to them, I was like, I'll go with you if we could like get a taxi or call someone else. But they were just like, no, we're fine. I'm like, you've been drinking forever. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. But she didn't get in an accident. They arrived back at her apartment and it wasn't like an apartment complex kind of like where you live. 
it was, I guess, more like where I live, like the apartments, like along my road, I, I suppose, like really close together. I guess like old converted houses, if that makes sense. Oh, as opposed yeah. to like I live in an apartment building. Yes, yes. With These like a bunch of units. Or okay. Like, yeah. And um, so they were get they parked along the street. They were getting out. And I guess other neighbors were still out and about at this time of night. They got home right around three and she noticed neighbor and she was just convinced that he was the one that called the cops. She just knew. So she was still irate, really mad, you know, worried about this whole entire Brad situation. She decided she was going to confront this neighbor uh, and she ended up trying to take a swing at him. His name was Todd Sakesk. I want to say his name is could be wrong. Um, it doesn't say if she like made contact with him. Um, but another neighbor ended up calling the cops again. Um, and, and the police were called directly at three 15 and they were there until 4am trying to calm everyone down. Apparently things were pretty tense. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time for police to be on scene. Yeah. Especially for that type of situation. Mm hmm. And apparently all of them had been drinking, like all the neighbors had been. I mean, it's nighttime and those other neighbors were at home, I guess, enjoying drinks, you know, at home. So everyone was just kind of overstimulated, I want to say at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the police basically were like, hey, man, you all need to go back home. Go go sleep, basically. Like what? It's yeah. like huh, four in the morning and it's crazy. You can actually hear, uh, the 911 call on the spirit away episode on ID. So everyone did go back into their respective homes, but police were yet again called shortly after <coughs> by Todd, the neighbor that lives next to her, not right below her, but the one that lived next to her. Um, he said that court was stomping on the floor, causing a disturbance like throwing a huge fit, screaming, what have you. But by the time police arrived back, it was quiet and neither of them, neither of the neighbors ended up answering the door when police knocked. Yes, huh. your face. No one can see it, but I can see it. Her face. <laughs> Confused. Is, yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. Yeah. And like for me, I would think that's concerning because they have been there. This would be the third call of the night. She was clearly irate. Things were like clearly out of hand. I mean, police being on scene for 45 minutes for like something like that. It's, it's clear, clearly obvious that things are not okay. And then for no one to answer. Yeah. Especially the person who wrong. called. Yeah. And, um, on ID, basically police officers like, you know, we try to use our best judgment. He just assumed everyone was heavily drinking. Maybe they passed out. Maybe they were like going back to bed. Why poke the bee's nest again and start it all over again if everyone settled? Right. Yeah. And the father, Scott, doesn't agree with that. He thinks that there should have been more follow up that potentially this um, wouldn't be like a disappearance. Like they, you would know what had happened if someone had been there right away. Now, granted, yeah. we don't know what happened after the last time police were with her. Um, other than Cody, Cody was still in the apartment. He said that um, they went inside, that she was really, really agitated still, and he was really trying to calm her down. And um, so I want to say, like, by the time the police came back for, like, the third time, it was well past four. I never could find a time 
But in the ID episode, it said that they had to find someone from another area to come through because uh, the police and they lived in a borough were like busy or whatever. So I don't think they came directly. So another reason why they thought possibly could have fallen asleep. But Cody basically was like, I was exhausted, (laughs) like drinking. I was on edge trying to calm her down. And he said that they laid down in her bed and they fell asleep. He claimed that he is a really heavy sleeper, that he didn't notice if she got up, if someone came in. He basically said he woke up in the morning. He had to get to work. He was a farrier. Do you know what that is? No. I want to say that they work with animals. Um, So it's a craftsman who trims shoes. Wait. A craftsman who trims and shoes horses' hooves. Interesting line of work. To say, yeah, (laughs) Um, that is a Google definition. Yeah. So, and mind you, this is all kind of like in farm territory. So, and apparently, makes sense. You know, so he had work, and apparently, he had told Scott, um, Scott Courtney's father, that he called out a couple times. She didn't respond. He left, got gas, was texting her saying, hey, like, what happened? Where are you? Like, I need to go to work. Is everything okay? And then he went to mm-hmm. work, and that was that. That makes it to the 29th. On the 29th, Court was supposed to go to the Lebanon area fair with her brothers and grandfather. Apparently, like, it's, like, a huge deal. Like I said, they're kind of out in that farmland territory, and she grew up in 4-H, and that was, like, a big thing showing off her animals. Sure. So it was very strange for her not to come, especially not to call. And when Wendy, her mother, found out, she was kind of alarmed. She called her. Obviously, she was not getting any calls back or any communication that really worried her. So she decided by that Monday morning, she drove to Courtney's apartment. When she got there... The door was unlocked and Court's car was along the street parked and all her windows were open. Both the AC and the TV were on in the apartment and they found her eye, her phone plugged into the wall. I don't, I always assume iPhone, but um, there was. Yeah, how dare you? Phone. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I know you're not an iPhone user. <laughs> <laughs> so it was plugged into the wall and her mom was super alarmed at that because there was 18 missed calls and she was basically glued to her phone. I mean, I'm glued to my phone, so it'd be strange if I was not really answering. Right. So I can see that. And also, her purse was there, her keys were there, and her dog, Sheba, was there. And Sheba was Court's dog that she had since, I want to say she was 11, like preteen time. And she had raised this dog and was so excited when she could, I guess, live on her own and have the dog with her. The dog had made a mess in the apartment, so it's obviously that it hadn't been let out in a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was very anxious when she came in, probably because no one was there, didn't have food. So that was a huge red flag. So many red flags. Oh, Oh my gosh. Too many. Absolutely too many. And at the time when she disappeared, both her parents were divorced. But Scott and Wendy, you know, they said it very nicely. Like, they were like, we're a unit. When it comes to our kids, we're one, which was great to hear. Yeah. So they decided that they were going to go through her phone and call all her contacts, look at all her last text messages. And they started reaching out to everyone to see if anyone knew where her, where she was or anything, you know. 
but they were not really getting anywhere. So they called the police late in the afternoon that Monday. They were told to come in the following day to file a police report because we all know you need like, what is it, 20, 48 hours after someone goes missing if they're adult? Yeah, that's what they tell you at least. Yeah, and so that's what the family did. She didn't come back home on Tuesday, so they went to the police station and did it. So her mom and dad both said like it kind of was like unreal until they like were leaving because i guess they leave with like a report and they had to put her in um i want to say is it namus they had to put her in some system to know that like she was like missing and then Mm -hmm. that kind of hit them pretty hard um police kind of responded pretty fast they said it was really uncommon for someone to go missing in lebanon county and that they originally thought like just by hearing and seeing things that it was kind of like a kidnapping. They even had the uh, apartment processed multiple times, but they really didn't find any evidence of any like foul play. So we're just going to jump into a couple of people. The first person, Wendy, the mother thinks that it was the one responsible. Oh my God. Let me start that over. Wendy, the mom originally thought that the person that was responsible for the disappearance was court's neighbor. The one that she had gotten in a fight with. That's what I would think initially. Yeah. There had been tension between them for weeks. Even while her parents set up camp at the apartment looking for her, he was acting weird towards them as well. He refused to meet eye contact and was very short with them when asked questions. But I do want to say there are a lot of people with autism or special needs that that is something that is like an issue for them. So I want to I personally want to think automatically it would make someone like guilty. I do think about that quite a bit because like you said, there's autism. I grew up with like really bad social anxiety. So even now, like I have, I'm kind of weird about like eye contact, but it's just, everyone is so different. So it's really hard to be like, oh, they didn't make eye contact, but yeah, you never know. Exactly. But they were, they just felt like it was him and they, you know, even told the police that they believed it was him. Apparently a week before the disappoint, uh, oh gosh, a week before the disappearance court called Wendy saying that this particular neighbor was videotaping her. Yeah. Now, it wasn't like she was inside her house and he was like at her window. They lived next to each other. He had a videotape. She was outside. Um, she didn't call the cops or anything. Her mom basically was like, go inside and shut your windows. And that was kind of that. But the mom said multiple times she would call him weird or creepy, constantly said she didn't like him. So that kind of, I guess, sat poorly with Wendy, even though she didn't know him. Right. And when police, you know, questioned him on the videotaping, he denied it. And obviously she didn't make a police report. So, I mean, it's kind of like her word against his almost. Yeah. But the landlord of, I suppose, both of their places, I guess he owned multiple ones on that street. He said that this neighbor called the night of her disappearance saying, like, I'm done. I'm sick of, like, basically her bullshit, like the partying, her attitude, like I want her out. And it was just demanding that she be kicked out. Mm -hmm. And he also like almost made a threat kind of saying like, if you won't take care of it, I will. Oh, great. Yeah. And I don't know if he was just like fed up. I mean, it it was done, I think after their fight. So like four in the morning, there was kind of drinking and like having shit neighbors is one of the worst things ever, especially like, I mean, you can't get away from them. I don't know. It's hard. I have a Facebook friend that like updates us on her 
she has a psycho neighbor, like older gentleman, I guess. And he's just absolutely insane. And he'll like say things to her children and stuff just like to be mean. Like, so some people are just, do you know if this guy was older? Did you say? He was was older. Gotcha. I had some people are just miserable. Oh yeah. I had a neighbor at the last place we were renting and they were going through a hard time. Like they couldn't afford their heat and they were just doing like really bad things that they shouldn't be. They were like hooking up extension cords to my back porch or our other neighbor's back porch and running like heat heating, um, like heat fans. Yeah. They had their like gas on running, trying to like heat up the house, which is like an explosion like scenario. Yeah. And I tried everything. I called the school. I called CPS. I I tried everything in my power just to, like, have something done. And they were having fights, like, constantly, like, keeping us up. And I finally contacted their landlord. And I felt terrible. And we didn't have the same landlord. We had different landlords. And I basically told my landlord, I was like, hey, they're doing scary stuff that could potentially affect your property. You need to get me in contact with their landlord. Because they were, I mean, they were kind of buddies. and. It's like all the landlords kind of know each other in like this particular area. I feel like they're all buddy, buddy. Sure. But it was terrible. It was like four months of hell. And I couldn't even imagine. He, this was a single older guy. He didn't have kids, but maybe he wanted his sleep. Maybe that's something he valued. <laughs> Who really knows? Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, was it just something he said in the heat of the moment? Is it something he meant? Who knows? It is interesting because it could just be a coincidence because I have definitely said crazy stuff about someone I'm like mad about or like, but I would, I don't really mean it. You know, it is kind of a heat of a moment thing. Like he's not really going to do anything. He's just real pissed. So who knows? Well, the police obviously questioned him about that voicemail because that's kind of tricky. And he... Definitely admitted to making complaints and detesting her. There was, like, no hiding the fact that he disliked her. But he said that he had nothing to do with her disappearance. The parents had been watching him, obviously, since when they set up camp at the house. Like, they kind of use that as their, like, center base, like, contacting people, having people come over, blah, blah, blah. Um, And apparently he had been, like, moving a ton of, like, black trash bags out of his house and disposing of them. So then they're like, there's body in there or something. That's what I would assume. Yeah. So the police obviously had to do something about it and they searched it and he was just, he was doing remodeling in the, in his uh, home. Oh, well, that happens too. (laughs) Yeah. And they, I guess even after they searched the trash that he had moving, they kept, I guess, looking at his trash for like a couple weeks even after that. Just to make sure there was no body in there. Sure. And I guess the parents were just really persistent. So they ended up taking cadaver dogs into his apartment. After that, it was kind of like he's not involved and they were kind of past that. Yeah. So then we move. um, That was kind of like all initially. They weren't really getting a lot of tips. So the family decided to move to social media. And Scott, the father, put together a $5,000 reward for information. 
They ha- they held a vigil at the police station, and hundreds of locals came out to show their support. A week after the vigil, the fire department put together a search party. People combed a two-mile radius of Court's um, apartment, but no evidence was found. Police then moved to her closest circle of friends. They even, you know, hit up Brad, but obviously had an airtight alibi because he was in jail. Yeah. <laughs> even though they knew he didn't do it, and he knew he didn't do it, um, he was just super uncooperative with the police. It just seems like he probably doesn't have a very good relationship with police yes. in general. Yes, exactly. Um, especially since he got arrested the same night. Um, but they kind of just, like like you said, they brushed it aside just thinking, like, it was really nothing. It wasn't like he was trying to hide anything. Um, it's right, just probably sure. that he had a distaste of law enforcement. Yep. So, but it's, like, crystal clear. He was not involved. <laughs> um, right. Police then moved to Cody since he was the last person to see her and then Milton because that was the last car I suppose she was like in other than hers. Right. Um, they, obtain- they obtained search warrants for both men's houses and cars, but they they both came back with like nothing. There was no evidence that something terrible happened or that they did something or that they were trying to cover up something. But like talking to them more and I guess putting more pressure on them, they did learn that the fight on the night out in Harrisburg was with a drug dealer slash distributor. Um, kind of confused on which one he is. Cause there is definitely a big difference. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of articles say distributor, but the DA that was talking in the ID episode said that it was a distributor. I'm um, not a distributor, a dealer. So I imagine some people don't understand what the difference is. Yes. Between that. So do I need to I'm say sure it? Should I clarify? Some people might use it interchangeably. Yeah, I would. Okay. So a distributor is the one who I guess mostly supplies it, but a dealer is the one who runs it and makes actual deals. Completely mm-hmm. different. Totally completely different. Um, so, I mean, as you, I, I agree with what you said, but who knows? So I'm just putting it out there that it's one or the other. So that was like kind of like a big thing for them because they hadn't really gotten any leads and like obviously it gives them something to look into, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the fight, what really happened is she thought that this drug dealer broke in to her house to steal items to cover what was owed because she owed him money for drugs. Um, Do you know what particular drugs? So her family says that she really only did pot. There's one little, little part in that episode where Scott says like, I'll never say never like about her possibly doing other drugs. Um, It's interesting when you see pictures of her, at least her most recent pictures are most of the picture pictures in all of the stuff like uh the missing what are those missing sites like charlie project yes, and stuff like, like that the charlie yeah. project all her pictures she looks like a hippie nothing wrong with it but she looks like yeah. a hippie there's tie-dye there's bandanas there's flared you know bell bottoms it's like those interesting tops that i have no idea how people get in all that kind of stuff and she i think she had dreads at one point and it's interesting because I guess she was like super preppy at one point in her life. And then I guess she was getting more comfortable with herself and her family did say that she would, you know, kind of smoke pot. And that was just kind of her personality. Mm-hmm. But I literally just had this conversation with someone today as well. I worked with a woman and her son 
just had graduated and him and his friend were sleeping over after the graduation at my coworker's house. And they uh, had movies picked out to watch. Uh, the mom ordered like tons of food for them and they were going to celebrate and they bought pot and they were going to smoke their first, I guess, joint. So excited for it. It was laced with fentanyl and they both died. Oh my God. Yes. I remember that. Yes. I remember that story. Yes. Uh, which is terrible. So, I mean, yes, she might've only been smoking pot, but if you're getting it from a drug dealer, my mom dated a drug dealer and he would lace that shit with whatever, because if it's stronger, you're going to have more people who are going to want it or come back. But then the problem is once you you know, keep using it, you build up tolerance and then you need something stronger and it's just kind of like a downward cycle. I don't smoke pot, but I would love for it to be, you know, legal everywhere to avoid situations like that. Um, so in my mind, maybe she only did smoke pot, but it was laced with something or maybe she smoked pot and tried other things. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Really? Not very clear, but she was convinced that this person came in and stole from her. So obviously the police were like, we need to talk to this guy. They interviewed him. He denies any involvement with her disappearance, does not deny stealing stuff, but he gives an alibi for the night that she disappears and it checked out. So they move on from him. In 2014, a tip came in from a local woman named Amanda. (laughs) Um, Hey. Hey. Um, In case no one has figured it out, that's my first name. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes. Um, And it's funny. I guess from doing the podcast, we just always call you Grace here. Even though I know your name is Amanda. I'm sorry. I know. Hey, it works for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she said she overheard conversation and that there were two acquaintances of Courtney's that came to her home to steal money and drugs that her body was wrapped in a rug and tossed into Memorial Lake police. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It's rough. Police for some reason didn't think that that was a possibility, which I'm not really sure why, but Scott insisted on this search and it was an 85 acre lake. So it was pretty large lake. Holy cow. Yes. And you know, he was even more upset when he realized that they did have the resources to do it. So like, why wasn't it being done? So they ended up doing it. Um, and really this, uh, lake was only 12 miles from her apartment. So it's not really that unrealistic. No. So they used sonar gear and an underwater camera and, you know, search for hours, but there was, you know, no evidence whatsoever. Scott was still happy though, because it just meant that she was not there and it was another box checked off and somewhere, you know, one less thing that they're thinking about. Um, and then a couple months later, diver searched it as well, but still came up with no evidence. And this was kind of like the last major tip that came in and her father just begs for someone to have compassion to give answers because someone has to know something. Oh yeah. Someone definitely knows something. Absolutely. So now we're just kind of going to talk a little bit about who she was because she's not just what happened to her. So she had grown up on a 10 acre farm outside of Harrisburg with her family. She was the oldest girl out of six children, which I think is a ton of children. Sounds awesome. It's a lot of children. Yes. She had four brothers and then she had her one sister, Kirsten. All of her family described, all of her family describes her as being vivacious, happy, loud, fun, and very personable. She was kind of like talked about being confident and you can obviously see it in her pictures. 
Um, they said that she loved to be the center of attention and, you know, there are a ton of pictures and videos of her. Like I said, this is a popular case and her smile. Oh my goodness. It's the first thing that catches my eyes when I look at her pictures and it's almost like her smile is just like wonderful and like infectious. And you can almost like feel like you could like hear her laughing. Like I, she just, it's like a genuine smile. If that makes sense. Scott, her dad said that she could dress up, do pageants and sing, and then flip it in reverse could get down and dirty fishing with the boys. Like she could, you know, had a lot of talents, had a lot of love for so many different activities, if you will. Um, on the farm, she grew up to love animals. Like I said, she got her dog when she was younger. She's very active in her local 4-H program. Um, and this kind of just hits a little close to home because we recently signed my son up for 4-H and they have different programs where you can like show off your animals and like have, um, I mean, there's different areas. I, I, we only did poultry, but I think she did like goats and horses. Um, but you can like show them off and you can get awards for like how well your animal listens and does with you. Sure. So, it seems like she put a lot of like effort into that. She did cheerleading. She was just doing a lot. I looked up her pictures and I can see what you mean about like her smile, her hippie kind of aesthetic and yeah, everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. She looked super happy. Mm-hmm. Um, now Wendy, her mom says that <clears throat> um, on this disappeared episode that Courtney was super headstrong and in high school was in, on the debate team and could debate any topic into the ground. Um, Love that. Yeah. So she was going to she was going to use her voice, basically. Um, what was she going to school for? Was she going to go for law or something like that? No, she wasn't. Um, after high school, she worked part time at her father's recycling equipment firm. And then she followed her mom into the cosmetic scene. Um, her mom said that she did a year in a beauty salon with her. And then she moved to dog grooming. And her mom kind of joked in the ID episode that Courtney had said it. it's because dogs can't speak back. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But it kind of seemed like a wonderful fit because she loved dogs. And the woman that she was working for, this, like, dog grooming service, said that she did phenomenal. So Awesome. Yeah. Um, In 2020, Sergeant Michael, so County Detective Bureau said, while tips are still occasionally received through the PA Crime Stopper site and other sources, we have no new information or leads to release. The family ended up hiring a PI in 2015, and her name is Leah Jennings, and she considers this case like still active in 2022 court sister Kirsten agreed to record a heartfelt video that was released on we are Lebanon, which is a Facebook group. Uh, Multiple other people in Courtney's life also made short videos. And the goal was to bring more awareness to this case, especially since it is coming up on 10 years. Kirsten says, I can't imagine losing one of my daughters and never seeing them again. So this is now why I wanted to get more involved in my sister's story. She was also quoted as saying, I just want closure for my parents so much. These videos were produced by Anubis Productions, who is run by Eric Zivillard, and he also lives in the community. He approached the family about how using social media could throw the case 
back into the public's eye. He said the goal is just to create awareness, make her a real person again, get back in the consciousness. The goal was to release a new video with other family members and friends every two weeks leading up to the 10th anniversary of her disappearance. Eric says someone knows something, somebody saw something. Wendy's take on this move is a new way of getting her face out there, getting her story out there, keeping us motivated to make sure that she is never forgotten. Currently, there is a $100,000 reward for the information that would, you know, go to solving the case. And this is all money raised by, you know, local community. Every year, the community has an annual float down the Swatara Creek in celebration of her life. It starts at Palmyra Gravel Hill and ends in Hershey. Her sister, Kirsten, said to Fox 43 News, floating was one of her favorite things to do. She was very much a nature person. And I mean, you can kind of just tell, obviously, she loves animals, being on the farm. But she said, it makes my heart, my dad's, my mom's, and our whole family's heart so happy to see everyone out here to support us and support our case. And there are just, there's a handful of videos of the celebration and, you know, seeing people, you know, float by. And there's just dozens of people on the water in rafts, tubes, and huge floaty unicorns, you know, drinking, reminiscing, having a good time. That's one of the first photos actually that came up when I just looked her up a few minutes ago. So it looked, it looked like a good time, like a really good time to remember her and drum up interest because obviously cases still open. Yes. Um, and like I said, the community seems like super close. They not only do that float, they, every year they have bonfire and light lanterns for each year of her age. So like each year she gets older, they release, you know, one more. They even have a memorial at her childhood playground. They planted a dogwood tree in her name and it blooms in the spring around her birthday, which is so sweet. And if you want to follow for any updates on this case or see any of those uh, short videos from her family and friends, there's a Facebook group called Courtney Stauffer Remember Me. Um, It's a Facebook group and it has, I'm assuming it's run by her family. Could not find that out, but has a lot of good stuff on it. Uh, Right now they're raising money and selling t-shirts for the 10th anniversary and they're tie-dye which would totally be up her alley, you know. Now we're going to jump into a couple of theories. So these theories are things that I had like kind of thought about as well when, you know, going over this. And so I definitely don't think it's like that far reaching. Sometimes we have some theories that are just like, hmm, how'd we get here? But all these seem, you know, potential, you know, potentially could have happened. So the first one is about Cody. Um, you know, we know that she was really irate when they got into her apartment. Uh, she had a lot of alcohol on in, in her. Um, the thought is that, you know, maybe she did pass out from either exhaustion or, you know, being drunk as shit. And Scott had said on the ID channel uh, episode that it was known through the community that Cody had a crush on her. Oh. Yeah. But Courtney. I guess did not have the same feelings for him. And that was kind of known as well. So it's thought that maybe he attempted a move while she was sleeping or maybe super inebriated and maybe might not make the same decisions that she would if she was sober. And then with that, he makes move. She denies it. Or maybe it goes a little bit too far and she doesn't want it anymore or X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And 
maybe he panicked and can't go back from that. Like maybe she maybe he thought she'd remember. Maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe maybe he still wanted to do it and still did it and then knew that he could couldn't get away with it. Either way, something around that type of scenario happened and she ended up dead. Right. I read a lot of comments like, you know, even if they had cadaver dogs in there, you know, strangling someone, you're not going to find like a ton of blood, that kind of thing. That's true. So it's like hard to say, but I mean, that is a huge possibility. I mean, that's not like super far reaching. He was there. They were together. So, and then there's like a huge debate on web sleuths and, um, another forum that I was reading. Now I can't remember what it's called. Reddit, Reddit about, you know, oh, it would absolutely be easy to dispose of her body. This would be like a great scenario because she was only 115 pounds. She was very tiny. But the thing is Uh, dead weight is completely different. True. It is completely different. But then everyone says, oh, he was a farrier. And that is no easy task. You have to hold down large animals like cows and horses. So obviously he was a strong man. Um, Mm -hmm. But in a body, I feel like is not that easy to conceal. I don't know. So there's a lot around that. Then the next theory is, you know, at this time in the area, there were a lot of like, like I said, they lived in farm areas, a lot of um, farms that were vacant, a lot of areas where she could easily be hidden. And I feel like a lot of those kind of went undetected from police like they might not have gotten searched as well as other areas you know what i mean so there's a lot of places where her body could have been dumped a lot of people feel like more places should have been searched um and there was a lot of places there were strip mines there was a state forest nearby game lands i mean you name it so there was that you know theory that she was somewhere on a like a farmland then the next one is an overdose um which is also could be very you know plausible as well we know that she did pot it's not far reaching to think that she could have been doing something else people speculate that maybe cody was struggling on calming her down and maybe she needed a little something extra to help with that calm down you know because she was really struggling i mean she seemed pretty irate and almost manic from pretty early on around 10 to about four that's like six hours like for me i'm like really hot-headed to begin with but like after an hour i'm like Ugh, i'm over it's too long to like worry about this but she was not letting go man yeah and so maybe maybe she overdosed and we've seen it we've heard about it people panic when someone overdoses they don't know what to do they don't know who to call they're worried they're going to get in trouble because they're also in possession of drugs or right x y and z though i want to say in pa like if you call the police to help somebody like you don't get in trouble like isn't that like a law i think if you take someone to the hospital oh it has to do with that but i'm not 100 percent sure but there is something that kind of encourages you to still help people without you getting in trouble yeah so it's just kind of speculated that maybe he panicked and like hid the body (laughs) right i mean yeah we've seen it for sure so those are like the three main ones that i wanted to point out because like i was kind of like like at least not the farm one but like definitely thinking about like the drugs and cody like something just catches me on them definitely wanted to mention them and there's a ton more theories i mean you can go down some deep you know 
deep holes looking into them but we're going to leave it at those three. Um, yeah, I feel like the longer that a case is open, and especially if it gets a lot of media attention like this one, the more theories that you're going to have thrown oh, yeah. out there. Absolutely. And who knows? It could have just been like a random thing. It could have. Yeah. I mean, all the stories that we have heard, the craziest shit happens. Like, yeah. I just... It can't put anything past anything anymore. I don't know. It's true. <laughs> but Courtney um, is a white female. She is five feet, eight inches. Like I said, about 115 to 120 pounds. She has blonde hair, green eyes, and has multiple tattoos. Um, I'm going to list the tattoos that were listed on the Charlie Project. But looking at pictures, she clearly has more than what's listed. Um, she has a tattoo on her right arm that says one love. She has one on top of her right foot and there are um, three stars. And there's one on her left side, which is a pistol shooting stars, which I'm just assuming this girl loves stars at this point. Um, she has like a big one in one of her pictures that goes up like the side of her back, but I could not make out what it was. It kind of just looked like a just a random design. So she does have tattoos, a uh, lot more than what they listed. One question real quick. I see on your document, it says on her right foot, there's two stars. Are there two or three? There are three. That was, I must okay. have fingered it. Okay. <laughs> just wanted Sorry. to check. Um, All good. Those are pretty distinct things to look out for. And if you have any information regarding this case, you can leave anonymous tips with the Lebanon County District Attorney's Office at 717-228-4403 or the Palmyra Borough Police Department at 717-838-8189. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.